Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Winefellas. Winefellas is your wine club for small allocation, hard to find natural wines from around the world. They specialize in organic and biodynamic wines that are made using traditional winemaking methods, but with minimal intervention. They're free of added sugar and chemical additives. They're low in sulfites. They're bottlings the wine world describes as, quote, natural wines. These are wines as they were meant to be enjoyed with nothing standing between you and pure expressive fruit. What I love most about Winefellas, aside from the fact that they only source the best natural wines in the world, but they also go the extra mile by giving you a fact sheet on each bottle that contains authentic alcohol content, residual sugars, sulfur dioxide and parts per million, pH, and acidity. Learn more about Winefellas by visiting them at winefellas.com. That's W-I-N-E-F-E-L-L-A-S.com. And be sure to use the code FED and fit for $10 off your first wine club shipment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. My name is Cassie Joy Garcia. I am your host for this 30-minute mindset, food, fitness, all those good things show. And today I am joined by a Fed and Fit listener. Her name is Natalie. And if you're unfamiliar with reverse interviews, it's where I have a, a fabulous reader or listener writes in with a really great question, and I invite them to come on the show to ask this question on a recording, and we get our conversation recorded. Uh, so today I'm joined by Natalie. She is just recently relocated to the Pacific Northwest up near Seattle from the East Coast. And I'm so excited to chat with you today, Natalie. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, and then feel free to pepper away with questions. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so like you said, we just moved here. Uh, it was a big change. And before we moved here, I basically got into the food and fitness um, sphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, by working at a gym for a long time. Um, that's when I kind of learned about paleo, weight, uh, not caring about your actual numbers and more about what your body can do. Uh, and I found a bunch of food blogs and yours was one of them. And I love it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so my <laughs> question um, is basically because you talk about nourishing your body, listening to the cues that it gives you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am a person who I feel like I'm just constantly hungry, but okay. then I have a couple bites of food and I'm full. <laughs> so literally like when you talk about when you go out to eat, eat half of, or put away half your plate, I eat half of the half and I feel like I'm done. Um, and so when I do go out to eat, if I go out with friends, it's a little embarrassing. So I'll usually overeat because you don't want to, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want to leave a ton of food on my plate and also usually tastes better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at home, yeah, at home also, I know what I am capable, like what I want to eat. So I'll just make much smaller portions. And I do at home when I cook at home, I do cook paleo. Um, okay. but out, out of the house, I don't. <laughs> okay. Got it. I'm taking notes. I promise I'm not zoning out. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, but yeah. And then no matter how much I eat, I feel like maybe an hour, maybe two, I'm hungry again. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out, should I be training my body to, to eat a bigger 
like three meals a day or should I keep kind of what I call grazing? And I'm sure other people call it that too, where I just eat a bunch of small portions all day long. That was a great question. Well, you know, this all comes down to, I have a course, I, of course I have a bias, right? <laughs> um, towards this answer. And I'm definitely going to give you that. Um, but I do want to say before I get to my personal bias and my professional bias is that when it comes to nutritional shoulds, right, there's going to be a different right answer for everybody. Okay, there are some folks listening who may do better as grazers, and there's some folks listening who do better with full three big meals a day and no snacking in between, right? Um, so the, it's going to vary, but it sounds like you are a grazer looking for something else. <laughs> Does that sound, am I, is that appropriate? I think I just, I feel like I'm not getting enough nutrition per meal. Yeah. I graze and, you know, I feel like something's missing. It just doesn't feel right. That makes perfect sense. Because no matter whether I eat a lot or a little, I'm still hungry an hour later. Got it. Okay. That's really fascinating. So it sounds like metabolically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back, let's think, 30,000 foot view, okay, of what's going on and chemistry on a chem chemistry level of the bodies. To keep it super simple, right? We're not going to get too far into the weeds, but in general, people are either fat adapted or sugar adapted. Okay. Are you, are you familiar with these terms? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just want to make sure I'm not like. No, yep, I totally got it. Okay, good, good. Okay. I figured you were. So for listeners who may be, this is maybe the first time they've ever heard about fat adapted versus sugar adapted. I'm going to briefly go into it. So somebody who is sugar adapted metabolically, again, 30,000 foot view, we are, their bodies, our bodies are essentially depending on sugar for energy. And we need that little, um, that little boost, that little bite, the snack or something in order to feel like we have some energy to get through the mid morning and the mid afternoon. And that's why snacking tends to become something that's very, very regularly scheduled, right? It's like clockwork. One hour, two hours after a meal, we're ready for another small bite. Whether we ate a huge meal or a small meal, we're still in a sugar-adapted metabolic state, right? And so we're needing something else in order to give us a boost of energy. Whereas fat-adapted, which is the primary goal of a really, I would say, the Fed and Fit Project um, is the goal is really to get you to be where you're fat adapted. <laughs> I hope you can't hear Gus. He's barking in the background. Real life here on the Fed and Fit Podcast. <laughs> There's a good chance my mother-in-law walks in in a second also, and everyone's going to be all a tizzy. Um, but the goal of the Fed and Fit Project is to get you to where you are truly fat adapted, which in other words, you are metabolically nimble. Okay, so you're able to go through spells of not having snacks. So really, let's say you have breakfast at 6 a.m. and lunch at noon. That's a long period of time, right, to go without food. And your body in that period of time is fat adapted. It can rely on fat stores for little bursts of energy as it needs it. And then when mealtime comes around, it can also tap into using um, that, those sugars right away as well. Okay, so I would say it sounds like 
it sounds like you're kind of on the verge. <laughs> Can you also hear him knocking on the door? <laughs> <laughs> to come in goodness gracious um it sounds like you're on the verge teetering between sugar adaption and fat adaption does that kind of sound does that resonate a little bit um i i definitely agree with that and it might be because sometimes we try to eat keto and then when we're not um at home we don't mm-hmm. so maybe my body's just confused between the two <laughs> It could be. That could definitely be. And you know, once you really get to a truly fat adapted state, if you haven't already listened to it, Mark Sisson recently came on my podcast and did a show. Uh, and he talked all about his take on ketosis. And really what he's getting at is this metabolically nimble state. Um, but once you really get there, you're able to stay there. And I would say that I are, again, so now this is where we get into the weeds of my professional bias, but my, my opinion is that when we snack and we have little spurts of energy, whether it's kind of regardless of what the macronutrient make, makeup is of those snacks, of those small meals, we're still conditioning our body to expect regular doses of, um, of glucose in some form or fashion. That makes sense. So I just let us in. Hi, buddy. You're just all over this podcast today. Um, okay. So I, I, yeah, I hope, I hope that's helpful and not, I didn't talk. It's hard to talk about something so generally, you know, um, and, and still make it clear, but yeah, I hope that's helpful. For sure. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers grass-fed, grass-finished, pastured beef, chicken, and heritage breed pork to your door each month. The animals are humanely raised and are never introduced to hormones or antibiotics. I have been a loyal fan and customer of ButcherBox for over a year now and love my monthly ButcherBox delivery because it helps me get healthy, nutrient-packed protein on my table with ease. To order your own ButcherBox, head to www.butcherbox.com forward slash fed and fit podcast where you can get $15 off plus free bacon with your order. Again, that's www.butcherbox.com forward slash Fed and Fit podcast for $15 off and free bacon with your order. For sure. So it's um, basically you're saying um, because I'm doing these smaller portions, it is causing me to, my body to always want more of that, that sugar refuel. Right. It's causing you to maybe need more regular um I guess, regular smaller meals. And so one way, an experiment, and again, everybody's going to be different. You may, you may experiment, experiment with what I'm about to suggest and it may not work for you, right? You may say, well, nope, I actually felt better with my smaller, more keto-friendly meals and that's fine. But what I would suggest if you're looking to kind of get past, um, it sounds like what you're looking for is I would try to focus on three square meals a day and as much as you can, avoid snacking between them. Mm -hmm. And it's going to require you to eat a little bit more, and you're going to feel hungry, even though, you know, you know, but remember that you ate, you ate enough, you ate enough food, 
if you're eating enough food. That could also be a variable without looking at a food journal, right? Um, but I would make sure you're getting plenty of fats, healthy fats and proteins, of course, and some good carbohydrates, especially, I hate to go there, uh, make this too personal, but especially during certain points within our female cycles, we definitely need more carbohydrates. And so I would make sure you're getting plenty of those things, really nice, bold, well-rounded, nutritious, colorful meals, three of them a day, is, as often as you can. It's not always realistic, right? I eat out all the time as well. I had pizza for Pete's sake last night, and there's no dose of greens on that pizza. Um, but, you know, as often as you can, try to have a nice, well-rounded meal and know that it pro it'll take anywhere between 7 to 14 days, depending on where you are metabolically. It sounds like you're a, a really healthy person in general, but it could take about two weeks before you get over that hurdle and you, and you stop needing those snacks for energy and your body really can trust and rely that you're going to give it a nice another big meal and it can rely on current stores in between. And as to address the habitual side of snacking, right? Because there's something to be said, there's something comforting about 2 p.m. go and grab like a cracker. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why a cracker came to mind. That's <laughs> not a great idea. But you know, there's something about that habit. It's so comforting of having something to grab. And so in that case, if you want something to kind of just bridge that gap, I would suggest sparkling water with some fresh lemon juice, um, some herbal teas. Uh, goodness, what else is out there? Yeah, Ginger? Usually my, my go-to in the evening. There you go. That's great. Yeah, that's great. It's really soothing at the end of the day. That's really smart. Um, yeah, I, I ginger chews, things like that sometimes help people get through it, even though those have a little, those have, do have some sugar in them, uh, but it's a little bit less than what you would consider an actual snack. And then allow our body to have a breath, to take a breath between meals and see what it can do metabolically. Okay. I hope that's helpful. It is. I'm just, I'm thinking about, so the reason um, this kind of all came up and I started deciding that I needed to change is, um, I don't know how uh, personal we get on this, but. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. What as much as you want, sister. <laughs> so I went off birth control maybe uh, about four months ago. Okay. And started retaining a lot of weight in my midsection. So I was like, well, I exercise regularly. You know, I I eat relatively healthy. There was a lot of high stress moving, but now everything's kind of evened out, but the weight has not gone down. And it's, it's like I said, primarily just around the waist. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of like boosted that. Well, maybe it's the way I eat. I totally get that. <laughs> can you, can you hear him still? Um, I absolutely get that. That is, and that's not uncommon at all to, to feel like you're going through that. Um, when you come off of hormonal birth control pills, I went through that exact same thing and the body changes, right? Our, our hormones are essentially the puppeteer pulling the strings, right? In how we move and how we interact with the world. And when we remove that constant source of synthetic hormones on a really regular basis, um, the body's kind of left to figure out how am I supposed to get around without this now? And a lot of the times it will put on weight. So there's a lot of different variables that can go into it. Um, for the sake of listeners who may not have your exact scenario, I would say stress may be a playing a huge role in that and just happened to come at the same time that you went off those pills, right? Um, which has kind of compounded the detox effects. 
But I would say stress, making sure you're getting plenty of sleep now, plenty of water. I'm sure you're doing all of these things. Um, but I just have to say them for the sake of covering all the corners of it. But I would say plenty of rest, plenty of water. And then um, not being afraid of having plenty of healthy carbohydrates in the form of root vegetables, like uh, potatoes or even the squashes, plenty of those. And by plenty of those, I mean at least one to two servings a day, right? So a couple small potatoes would be a serving, those little baby golds, for example, one or two of those would be a good serving size. Half of a plantain would be a good serving size. Um, so I'd say one to two servings of starchy vegetables a day. And then don't be afraid of fruit. Sometimes our body really, women's bodies really do well with extra doses of uh, fructose in the form of really good healthy fruits. So one or two servings of fruit a day, stuff like that. Don't be afraid of those. Don't be afraid of healthy fats. I would say don't over restrict in any one area because it could be that your body needs more of one of those macronutrients in order to just kind of take a deep breath and resettle. And it can be a several month process. I'd be patient with yourself and know that it's completely normal to go through that. Okay. And then, so I've heard you recommend before kind of keeping a food journal to keep track of, you know, if anything is helping or are, are there types of foods that bother you more than others? Um, do you recommend doing that as well with this? Yes, absolutely. I'm really glad you brought it up because sometimes I forget to talk about it. Poor Natalie has not gotten me on my best day. <laughs> um, yes, I think that a food journal would be a really smart way to approach this. And the way that you would journal depends on the personality, right? Some people want to journal every single thing that they've written down and eaten and, and sipped on and napped, right? They want to write down everything. And other people would rather write down high level lessons learned. I tend to gravitate more towards the latter because I think those are really powerful when you're actually looking back and using the journal for the intention of what we really want it for. I would say things to journal would be high level items. I um, did not snack. I have not snacked today. Uh, I didn't snack yesterday, things like that. I went X amount of hours between meals. I made sure to have um, two servings of starch today. And then, you know, those kind of high level observations. And I, I got plenty of water today. I drank half of my body weight and, and ounces of water today. So I hit my water quota. I got seven hours of sleep, you know, those kinds of markers just to kind of help us stay semi-goal oriented on those areas. And then start writing down how you're feeling as it compares to those high-level notes. So I have way more energy today, or I'm feeling really sluggish today. And then you're able to look back and say, you know what, I actually didn't have any starches yesterday. Or I was really hungry by the time dinner rolled around. I didn't snack, but oh my gosh, I could have eaten my fork. I was so hungry. Um, then maybe look back and see what you ate for lunch and realize that maybe lunch was a little too small and an extra tablespoon of fat could have carried you through a little bit better. You know, so those, those kinds of high-level observations become really powerful because then you're able to um, forward-thinking engineer meals to really set you up for success. And especially as you're trying to recover, and I would think of it as a recovery. I wouldn't think of it as you're doing anything wrong. You're recovering from birth control. 
Okay. And, and your body's going through that and it's going to be, it's a, it's a significant process. And so I would give yourself some grace in that and, and, and keep notes of how your body's responding with these different kinds of foods. If you notice that, um, you have more energy and you're feeling great with more carbs in general, keep that up. Or if you find that a little bit more fat is actually what your body really needs, then keep that up. Um, but I would start. I would start keeping track of those high-level observations. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Well, good. Is that is that all you got for me today? I think so. <laughs> okay, Natalie, this was such a great conversation. Thank you for making time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. Well, I wish you the best. Don't be a stranger. Please keep me posted. <laughs> I'm very interested and good. I'm glad you're settled. Good luck with the rest of your settling up there. I know that moving across the country is um, no small feat. I haven't done it, but I can only imagine. So congratulations on that. At least you're there and settled before the holidays. That's got to be a relief. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks again for making time to come on the show. For everybody listening, thanks for dialing in. As always, you can find a full transcript for today's show over at fedandfit.com. And as always, we'll be back again next week. <laughs> <laughs>